Welcome to the Agile Strategy Lab podcast. I'm Liz Nilsson, the Associate Director of the Lab at the University of North Alabama. This episode of the podcast is being produced in partnership with the Strategic Doing Institute. This is the second of three episodes around the topic of equity and strategic doing, taken from a conversation in July of 2020. How does strategic doing help us have a different kind of conversation than we might be accustomed to having with people that aren't like us? In this episode, you'll be hearing the voice of Michon Hicks. Michon is the Strategic Initiatives Program Lead for the Office of IT at the District of Columbia's Department of Employment Services. Michon's background is impressively diverse. She's worked in all levels of government, with nonprofit organizations, and in higher education. She's a professor of communications at Prince George Community College. Michonne teaches strategic doing as well as using it in her own organization and with those she's assisting. Here's Michonne. Well, one of the main premises for the discipline is that strategic doing is a strategy discipline designed for open, loosely connected networks. So a lot of what we do has a great deal to do with um, our ability to manage and navigate those open, loosely um, created networks. This discipline enables people from, to form action-oriented collaborations quickly, move them toward measurable outcomes, and make adjustments along the way. So today you'll hear a great deal about how we uh, use strategic doing in many areas to help us move toward measurable outcomes, make the adjustments along the way, and improve our current state to build capacity for a better future, whatever that situation may be. So today we kind of lead off, my conversation is going to be pretty much about why we need to start deep, focused, authentic conversations. Because those are the places where we start to build the work we do in collaboration. So we got to start with an honest, deep, focused conversation. And a lot of times we invite people to the table and we're looking at fixing problems or fixing what exists. But we know that we all operate in many systems. Your, your family is probably the first system that you're born into. And we know that there are many intricacies in how we deal and navigate even within our own group dynamics in the family. So when we take that into our professional roles and our academic roles, we begin to see, okay, what types of behaviors are we seeing that undergird our ability to to collaborate truly and authentically. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about where we are in this time today is how we frame unacceptable behavior. And so sometimes unacceptable behavior in many organizations and many groups in many places we find ourselves in, in society becomes very acceptable because it is allowed to persist. So here we are today at a, at a turning point in our society where we find ourselves in the face of a global pandemic and we find ourselves in the face of a response to uh, cultural shifts that we are seeing happen in our society in the ramifications of movements, Me Too movements, Black Lives Matter movements, LGBTQ movements, all of those movements that we see are now coming to bear in what we have in our societal things. So I thought this quote stood out very well with me this morning and I just wanted to share that with you as kind of a backdrop of where we're going with my comments this morning, this afternoon rather. So why do we need deep focused conversations? I think we need deep focused conversations because we are at a point in our society where we're moving into a cultural shift. 
it's moving us to a new narrative and they're a very much a new narrative for humanity and we are seeing a global response not just in domestically in the united states but globally what has been done historically what we have considered to be systemic institutionalized all of those things are coming in our society now so this cultural shift is is giving us a reason or an impetus for us to look at how the new narrative is going to be written um, for our future so constituencies are demanding more from today's leaders we know we see an outcry of what can we do differently? Are we leading from character? Are we leading from technical performance, impetus? Where are we leading from? So constituencies today are, regardless of what group you're in, whether it's the academic community, whether it is a, a community-based organization, whether you're in a full workforce corporate entity, constituency groups, whether they're employers, whether they're voters, are demanding more from our leaders today. And then how can we help leaders with the skills that they need to lead this new group of constituencies today that are infused by things that are happening in our cultural environment. So true change is never easy. It starts from only who and what we are today. So that leads into the conversation of why this whole current conversations is timely. Then understanding the other's perspective creates a sense of shared reality. We all know that we have our own independent worldviews that are based on our socialization process, but we all work and operate with multiple roles. And as you move out into the world in those, in those very different roles, you have begin to face other realities. So understanding the other's perspective, the other individual outside of self has a great deal to do with how we operate and move in our particular collaborations um, in workplaces, in churches, in organizations, in schools and what have you. So understanding the other's perspective creates a sense of shared reality. So I have my reality, you have your reality, and then there's this shared reality that is created as we move into the collaboration space. Honesty and transparency are building blocks to deep focused conversations. I think it has to start with us being honest and transparent about where we are. So we could be working on a collaboration that's a technology-based collaboration or a technology innovation, but we have to be, we have to start the conversation with where we are as opposed to us fixing something that is intrinsic. We have to start the conversation of where we are, what's happened, and what can we do together as a collective group to change the situation. The next thing kind of I took um, a, a lead from Tim Baker, who describes the five pillars of authentic conversations. Um, establishing a trusting relationship, agreeing on expectations, showing genuine appreciation, challenging unhelpful behavior and building for the future. Those are very much close to the principles that we have in strategic doing and help us move with creating environments where we can start the conversations, create psychological safe spaces, and then begin to frame our work around an appreciative question and, and move people in that direction as opposed to moving us into those same conversations that we've had for years that tend to only echo our grievances a lot of times, which is important because people need to be heard, but beyond echoing the grievances, what are we going to do with this capacity that we have built? And so that's what strategic doing picks up the baton and helps us move forward in moving our conversations into collaborative work and then leading us to real pathfinder projects that help us then build capacity and start to move the needle forward in our communities and our organizations. Um, a couple of places where I have used 
current conversations. And these are pretty powerful because I probably went into these environments not expecting things to happen in the way that they did. But the beauty of using strategic doing is that you don't know it's iterative. You don't know what you're necessarily going to find. You're just going to do it and see what happens and then learn from it and continue to do and see what happens and learn from it. So one of the things I decided to do as a professor was to create a service project for my students, which was called Current Conversations, which can be scaled and used anywhere. So my students in intercultural class, the best way I thought to actually teach them about culture is to be able to have them experience it in a very deep, rich way that they don't normally do. So when you ask people how much they know about another cultural group, most people give you surface answers that are influenced by media, influenced by what they've read, but not necessarily what they know to be true because they've experienced it from another person. So I designed a project where my students virtually were introduced to people around the world, people that I bought into the class in a virtual sense, and the students were able to interview the person based on a set of questions that we asked and then the person asked a set of questions back to the students. And they were able to share back and forth their unique experiences. So interestingly enough, things that were conceptual to people were very different, but similar in some ways. So for instance, when people talked about their educational experiences and how they grew up, students in the United States feel that they've come through K through 12 in an educational system. But to hear someone else talk about their educational system and how that educational system rang true for them, same educational principles, but, but manifested very differently. The students were blown away by how those educational systems were set up. Because when you grow up in your own unique system, you kind of think that's the way it's done. And they, interestingly enough, were blown away that the education doesn't happen the same way around the world. Now that sounds like a foregone conclusion, but to talk to people on a level of how I experience it, and how they experienced it was very different. Things like poverty and justice and all of those conceptual things that we experienced one way, to hear someone else speak it, talk about it in relationship to how they now see it as a person living in the United States, as a person growing up in Eritrea. It's a very different concept. So for the students on one side, they shared a great deal about how they saw life the individual who they interviewed shared a great deal about how they experienced the exact same thing. And so out of those two realities came a shared concept at the end of the project where they talked about, wow, look at the commonalities. They may be experienced differently, but now we understand it and we get it. So it was a very uh, great project. Of course, they had academic rigor built into it, but it was a great project for them to be able to see and start a conversation as opposed to reading it in an article or listening to it on TV to have someone really talk about what they thought and felt about an experience and about how they saw culture in a different way. In a government space, Michelle, you're at about one minute. Okay. In the government space, I used it to um, help streamline the, the customer experience in one of our American job centers. And the problem was there is that customers were not having a great experience coming into our environment. So instead of us talking about how to fix the systems and the technology independently or the staffing issues. We looked at, we worked our solutions toward what would it look like if every single customer who hit our door had 100% satisfaction rating for our interactions? What would that look like? So we built all of our movements and solutions toward having a, a conversation that was about 
what would that look like if everyone was happy as opposed to how do we fix this one particular issue over here with technology or staffing? And so it worked out extremely well, but we had to start with an honest conversation of where we were. How do we have a deep focused conversation about where this entity is? Not necessarily all the reasons why we got here, but where we are today. Let's own where we are today, bring a collective group of people together who can actually do something about working toward that future-oriented goal as opposed to fixing those stumbling blocks that we have been going over. So a number of Pathfinder projects came out of that. And one of the great ones that we were happy to see is that not only did we change the staffing model in the American Job Center, we changed the technology model in the Job Center too. So our customer wait times went down. Our customer interactions and complaints via the phone went down because we worked toward a, a full system uh, overall overhaul that was built on making the customer experience better as opposed to making our own necessarily business processes better so invariably in that our business process is improved too because we started with a deep focused intentional conversation about where we needed to go that was future oriented as opposed to just fixing our systems and i know quickly in the last one was inviting communicate we had a forum where we invited people from the community who had a lot of issues with us to have conversations about what they would want to do to improve their own communities. And as opposed to saying, we're the bad guy, this person is the bad guy, how can you work with us in a way that we can improve the access to jobs, the access to services in the district for the residents? And we were very successful in being able to bring people to the table with that conversation. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the lab and how we use strategic doing and other tools to help organizations address complex challenges at agilestrategylab.org. You can also email us through the website. Just look for the Contact Us button. You can learn more about strategic doing at strategicdoing.net.